let me remind you, we're doing it because it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that uh, we are to uh, pay attention to their example, that uh, we who the ends of times come upon, this is not a direct quote, but a summary, that uh, we're to learn from them their examples for us. And the, and the example so far hadn't been too good, has it? But it, it shows our nature. It shows that we have a sinful nature and that um, without God's grace, if we're not walking with Him and uh, humbling ourselves before Him, we are sinners, and we, even though we know Christ, and uh, we have trouble in the flesh, and we create trouble for ourselves. And that's what we're seeing in the nation of Israel as a, as a whole. Now, it doesn't mean every single person is, is, is doing that, but uh, we keep seeing these incidents as they, as they travel in the wilderness uh, of how they're not trusting God. I want to say uh, to you, well, let's read a little bit of text first. Look in chapter 15 and uh, look down to verse 27. We're not going to look at the whole chapter, but uh, we had ended up in 14. You remember, here, here's, here's where they are. They had come to the edge uh, in the first year. They had come to the edge of the promised land, and they wanted to send spies in and you get the Moses okayed it it wasn't God's order to do that but Moses okayed it and God said yes but the spies went into the land you remember they came back and they said the people are like giants we can't we can't conquer them and so uh, they turned away instead of entering in the promised land they turned away and and God consigned them uh, he gave them what they requested, and now they're going to spend the rest of their lives in the desert. And when we say the desert or the wilderness, it just means an uninhabited area. Uh, part of it would be very uh, desert-like here, and part of it would be a little different from that. But So anyway, they're going to spend their lives, the rest of their lives, everybody from 20 years old to 60 years old is going to die in the next 40 years in the desert because they were unfaithful to trust God and to be obedient to God. So now we're still getting, now we're getting information. We don't know exactly when this is, how, how much time now has passed, but here's the information we're getting. Chapter 15, God speaks to them about uh, offering for sin, and I'm going to sum it up down in verse 27. And if a person sins unintentionally, then he should bring a female goat in its first years as sin offering, and he had already spoken about intentional sin, but if he sins unintentional, verse 28, so the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentional when he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. You shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, for the stranger who dwells among them. The stranger would be someone who's not native born. You remember there were some Egyptians that came with them, and maybe some other people who were also had, were slaves in Egypt, as the Israelites were. And maybe when uh, the Israelites came out, these other people who were enslaved came with them. So we just say that's what they call a, a stranger here is just someone who's not Jewish, someone who's not an Israeli. Um, and so 
he saying to them in verse 30, but the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he's native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach of the Lord, and he shall be cut off from among his people. Because he has despised the word of the Lord, has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off, his guilt shall be upon him. Completely cut off means dead. That's it. Now, when we read this, and then when we go into 16, 17, we're going to think, okay, that seems a little harsh. But I want to remind you that they were not living in a democracy. They're living in a theocracy. God is their king. And, and, and Jesus today is our sovereign. He's the king of kings, lord of lords, but he's not ruling on the earth right now. Satan is the prince of the power of the air at this point in time. But we're indwelt by the Spirit. We who believe we're indwelt by the Spirit. We have the leadership of the Spirit. We have the Word of God. But God doesn't deal with us as directly in our sin as he did with the nation of Israel. Now, why? It was a theocracy. They had a direct relationship with God. Every, every morning they got up, they saw the cloud of His glory above them. Every night when they went to bed, they saw the cloud of the flame of His glory above them. Uh, they ate every morning from the manna that He provided them. They drank water from the rock that they understood. Hebrews tells us that was Christ following them. They had a direct relationship with God. Now, they didn't see his face, but on Sinai, they had heard his voice. They had, they had uh, seen the power of, him, of the rumbling. They, they'd walked through the Red Sea. I mean, see, they, they had an intimate relationship with their God. And so when they sinned presumptuously, what they were doing is that they were rejecting the authority of God. They were rejecting God's holiness. They were rejecting His right to rule over them. It was a rebellion. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so there is unintentional sin. We all do that. And sometimes we sin presumptuously too. Sometimes, sometimes we think, okay, I know that's wrong, but I'm doing it anyway because I like it. Uh, it feels good or it's satisfying some way. So we do that. Maybe we're giving in to anger, we're giving in to lust, we're giving in to pride, we're giving in to jealousy or envy or whatever, and we just don't give it up because it feels good. And so, but we're not, we're not cut off uh, like they were then. So when we go through this and you think, I don't want you thinking, well, God's harsh. The Bible has a principle to whom much is given, much is required. And that's true for us. We're, we're accountable as well. And we should govern our lives accordingly because we know Christ. But it was, it was true in this sense with them that it was a life and death matter. And so, uh, I want you to remember that as we go, as we go through this, uh, this, this, this time. Okay. So now look down in verse 37 of chapter 15. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garment throughout their generations, and to put a blue thread in the tassel of the corners that you shall have the and, and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, but that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy 
for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So he's saying, on, on your garments, put a tassel and have blue thread in the tassel. And when you see that on other people, you see that on, when you put on your clothes, uh, you're going to remember, I'm holy unto the Lord. I'm set apart. Holy means set apart. Uh, it doesn't mean you're without sin, but it means you're set apart for God. The nation of Israel was set apart for God. Today, we're set apart for God. We're holy in that same sense. Okay, he says, so he's saying, all the congregation, you're, you're all holy because you're set apart. Doesn't mean, again, that they're without sin, but they're set apart. But sometimes when we know we're set apart, it, it, it creates pride within us. It creates a sense of empowerment or a sense of uh, that I deserve God's blessing. I deserve God's patience. I deserve uh, what God w- w- could do for me. And so it creates maybe uh, a sense within us that we're more deserving than what, than what we think. I think maybe this principle that they saw there, this set-apart holiness created what's going to happen in the next couple of chapters. And now we're going to move to chapter 16. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Korhath, the son of Levi, with Dathom and Abram, the sons of Eleb, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses and some of the children of Israel, uh, with 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, so men well known. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy. And that's true. Okay, so that we just read that. All the congregation is holy. All the congregation is set aside for God. Every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? And we, we get the sense that, okay, in the next, in the next paragraph, we, we get the sense they're not speaking at this point so much against Moses as against Aaron. Aaron is the priest. So let me tell you what's happening. Um, when you when you have the tabernacle, we talked about this some time ago. But when the when the tabernacle is built, then God gave the encampment of the tribes. So there's tribes; they have a they have a, a place they're assigned to encamp around the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is in the middle. Some people to the east, some people to the west, some people to the north, some people to the south. Okay, the people to the south, immediately to the south, is the uh, Levites and then the Reubenites are next to them. So Reuben's tribe is next to Levi's tribe. And if you remember what happens, God chose the Levites to serve the temple. Okay, now notice priests. So out of the Levi, out of the tribe of Levi, he chose Aaron's line to be priests. The rest of the Levite, they were given the privilege of taking care of the tabernacle. So when, when the priests packed it up, when they were going to move, when they packed it up, and they had specific instructions to pack it up. So when they packed it up, the, the Levites would come and they would transport it and they would prepare it to be erected once again in the new place. 
I think probably they also that said they served the temple. So probably they were people who also maybe gathered water uh, for the sacrifices. They gathered wood for the sacrifices. So they served the temple. God ordained them. God chose the Levites out of the other tribes to serve the temple. But he only chose Aaron's line inside Levi to be priests. Okay, so now they're saying we're all holy why can't we be priests? Okay, so now they've got the Reubenites with them. <laughs> okay, I want, to re- I want to skip up to, uh, go, go, to verse 11, go to verse 8. So we're going to skip the next paragraph, go to verse 8. Then Moses said to Korah, hear now you sons of Levi. Okay, so Korah is a son of Levi. Moses is a son of Levi. They're cousins, so they, distant, they're distant cousins. This is his cousin. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren and the sons of Levi with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Okay, so he's saying, God selected you and gave you a work to do above all your other brethren. It's a privileged work, but you're not satisfied with that. So now you're seeking the priesthood as well. Okay, now I want to go back. Uh, I wanted you to be clear that I wanted to be clear that this is Aaron primarily that they're speaking against right now. They want to be priests. They want to offer the sacrifices. They want to go into the holy place. And, uh, and then uh, along with Aaron. So now go back. We read the first three verses and the first encounter. Now, verse four, Moses response. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face and he spoke to Korah and all his company saying, tomorrow morning, the Lord will show you who is his, who is holy and will cause him to come near and will cause him whoever's Holy will come near to him, God, that one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censers, and censers would be a little brass bowl, and, uh, and I, I think when they traveled, they would keep coals in it, so they'd have fire every night. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't keep the fire going all the time, they'd keep, so everybody had censers. And then when they, uh, like the Egyptians, oh, they'd put incense on it and offer it to their gods or the household gods. And that's what Moses, that's what Aaron did and the other priests in the temple and then the tabernacle. So they had these censers, these bronze censers. So he said, everybody take your censer, uh, core and all your company. Verse 7, put fire in them, incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One. You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Moses is saying back to them the same thing they said to him about Aaron. You take too much upon yourselves. Then Moses said to Korah, here now, you sons of Levi. Okay. I, I would think we just studied a few weeks ago when Aaron's two sons took their censers and put incense in them and went before the Lord and they weren't authorized to do it. And you remember what happened? God killed them immediately. Fire came from heaven and killed them immediately. I would think Korah and these other people would remember that. I would think they would say, hmm, maybe I ought to think this over. When Moses says, 
bring your censer and come up here before the Lord. Uh, in fact, what you find when, when we read in verse 1 that one of these three people who complained was named On, O-N, the son of Pilah. When you find that when, when, the, when God brings judgment, he didn't bring it upon On. Evidently, he got the message and decided, I want no part of this. I am going away. And uh, I'm not taking part of this because judgment didn't fall on him and his family. I'm giving you a little preview in case we don't get there. So now we have, uh, go back to verse 12. So now we know it's against Aaron, verse 12. Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Elab, but they said, we will not come up. So Korah, guess, came with the 250 men of renown, and he came to the tabernacle and spoke to Moses, or the tent of meeting, and spoke to Moses and Aaron. But these other two wouldn't come up. And Moses called them to come up, and they wouldn't come. And here's what they had to say. It's, it's, kind of, it's very uh, demeaning what they said. Verse 13, Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep acting like a prince over us? And they're saying, you, you brought us up out of the land of milk and honey. They were slaves making bricks. We found that they were, their life was oppressive. The Egyptians were killing their children. And they're, they're remembering it was a land of milk and honey, and you're acting like a prince over us. Okay, when you go back to the story and you go back to Egypt, Moses was a prince. He, he, was, he was raised by the Pharaoh's daughter, and he was a prince in Egypt, and he gave it up to identify with the children of Israel. And, and, and he's living in the wilderness with them. Here, here's what one commentator, James Montgomery Boyce, said. James Montgomery Boyce said that when, when, when you have these tribes living together and Korah gets in his mind, because he's the leader, he gets in his mind, I want to be a priest. And so he begins to talk to the Reubenites. And he begins to say, well, you know what's wrong with this church? Now, I'm making fun now, Okay. You know what's wrong with this church? People are saying, you know, that the pastor's taken too much upon himself. You know, you know how much money he earns. You know where he lives. You know what kind of car he drives. You know, I think we need to have a part of this. We need to go and, you know, I want to share in this just a little bit. I want to preach occasionally. You know, I, I want to. And so he gets people following him. He said, and since Robert's back there, have you heard that music lately? Yeah. <laughs> Do you hear how loud that is? <laughs> and let me say publicly, and I say this to you, I love our music. I love what Robert does. I, I love how he leads. I think he's led of the Lord, and I am fully blessed. So, um, but, you know, so that's what happens. And here's what James Montgomery Boy said. He said, this man, Korah, he masked his raw ambition by, by getting other people discontent to go with him, saying, you know, we just want to serve the Lord. We just want to do what's right before the Lord. We think everybody, all the congregation's holy. We should all be priests. 
And in the nation of Israel, before they went into captivity, the firstborn of their tri- the firstborn of their family was the priest. They were set aside. That was God's law. You set aside the firstborn, and so they would be the priests of their family: the granddad, the dad, whoever. As they moved up, they would be basically the priests of their family because they didn't have church like we have it today. They didn't assemble together uh, like we do, and so they would be the priests of their family. And he's saying, why can't we still do that? And here's why they can't. Because God has already ordained differently. Now they're a congregation. Now they're together, and God has said, I want you to do it this way, and he gave them very specific, very detailed instruction. You remember that? I mean, he, it was very detailed. And, and, and when he chose Aaron and Aaron's family, they went through this ritual cleansing and they anointed them and their thumb and their ear and their big toe. And it's very ritualistic and very clear to all the people that this is God's choice and this is the way we're going to do it. And this is the offering you're going to give. This is the day you're going to do it. And this is what you're going to do. And here's what you burn. Here's what you eat. Here's what you offer and here's what you do not do. Here's what you touch and here's what you do not touch. Here's how you dress when you come before me. And if you, you know, so God was very specific that I want you to understand that salvation comes from the Lord. Okay. Now, if that gets just willy-nilly, there is no salvation. So what we're dealing with here, what's actually happening, I want you to understand this. What's actually happening is that Korah, in his rebellion, is saying, I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. Okay, today in, in Christianity, now under the new covenant, that's still happening. People are saying today, Christian, Christian are saying, I don't believe that you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't believe you're saved by an atoning offering sacrifice. And, and theology is called penal substitution. It means somebody has to die, and the only one qualified was Jesus. Penal means it has to, it has to be a death involved. And people are saying, I don't like that. That's a bloody religion. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I think in our goodness, we have these Christian principles, and we were born in America, and we can, we can be good enough ourselves. God will judge, uh, and, and he, will, he will acknowledge us and our dealing with him. And that's the argument today. And that's the argument inside Christianity today. When they look at the Word of God, they say that that's not, God doesn't really mean that. He meant that 2,000 years ago when it was written, but He doesn't really mean that today. <laughs> and and it actually, the Bible actually says, God is unchanging. His Word is unchanging. See, we believe, as a church, we believe in the authority of Scripture. We believe in the infallibility of Scripture. We, we believe in the inspiration of Scripture. We believe it says exactly what God meant 2,000 years ago, and it still means the same thing today. And it's never changed. And He, he is unchanging. He, he will never change. But see, our world doesn't believe that anymore. So what, what was happening here with these people were going to go astray right at the beginning. And, and so is God going to allow that, or is He not? So let's find out what happens. All right, where do we get to? 
All right, verse 15. We, we found out initially Moses, when they first came to him, he got on his face before God. He prayed, and then he responded. Okay, bring your censer. See, I think that's the Lord's leadership. Bring your censer before the Lord in the morning. And, and their censer wasn't a holy thing, but when they put incense in it, and they're going to come to the tabernacle, now it's going to become a holy thing. Now it's going to become a holy thing. And then we read in verse 15. When, when these two in the camp wouldn't come up, but they were very disrespectful, uh, Moses, the, the, we read this, that Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, not back to them, but to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they, as well as Aaron. Let each one take a censer, put incense in it. So he's telling them the same thing. And each of you bring a censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with a censer. So each man took a censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, stood at the door of the tabernacle, meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourself from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. So God, God is saying, I think it's a test for Moses and Aaron. God is saying, you guys step away, I've had it. I've had it with these guys. I'm consuming them in a moment. Now, we've already seen this before, previously. And Moses intercedes for them, said, Lord, take my life, but let them live. They're your children. You made covenant with them. What would the, what would the unregenerate nations say if you brought them out, but you couldn't take them in, and you couldn't provide for them? And so, Lord, don't do it for your name's sake. So I think this is a test. I don't think God's fixing the concern. He could, and but... So, then verse 20, the Lord spoke to Moses there and separated them, I'll consume them. Verse 22, they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and you be angry with all the congregation. So basically they're saying Korah is the leader of this rebellion. He's, he's, he's drawn them astray. Now there's 250 men are renowned. There's these other two tr- families uh, and said, would you kill the whole congregation because of them? So the Lord, verse 23, spoke to Moses saying, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Kor, Dathan and Abram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abram and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, now depart from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sin. So they got away from around the tents of Kor, Dathan and Abram. And Dathan and Abram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, their little children. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. See, that's the issue. They have rejected the Lord. When they rejected the ordinances that the Lord gave for the priesthood, and said, I don't want to abide by that. I want to do it my own way. I want to do it myself. That's a rejection of God himself. 
See, that's what the issue is. It's not just preference, but that's the issue of doctrine. So, here's what happened. You, you, you know the story. Verse 31, Now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split open under them and the earth opened its mouth, swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. So Moses goes to the tents of Abram and and uh, the other guy, and Korah goes with him, and, their congreg- and the congregation's watching. So the earth opens up, and it's like, it's like a sinkhole. We see those in our area sometimes. And the sinkhole opens up, and they all fall in, along with their little children. You think, okay, does that seem fair? Does that, does that, seem, does that seem fair? But, but, but sometimes our sin affects the generations that follow us. Sad as it is, sometimes our sin, our sin does. Now, hopefully the grace that we receive through Christ affects the generations that follow us as well. And, but if we don't, if we don't live in grace, then our, our sin, our behavior affects those who look to us, especially our children, our grandchildren. So, terrible thing. Uh, these people were destroyed. And again, when we read this, you think, wow. Uh, it, and here's what the congregation of Israel thought. They thought, wow, that's just, that, that's, that's, that's scary. I'm getting away from here. And when we read that, we think, okay, I think I told you a few weeks ago that I was, I, I was, talking, to a, I was talking to a person about this, and they were saying, well, there's a different God in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament, that God was different then because he did these type things. But, but, but he's not. He's, it's the same. It's the same God. Jesus Christ is God, and he, it's the same God. But again, they had a direct relationship with Him. There was no. Uh, how do I say it again? What they, what these people kept doing was rejecting God Himself, and and they're paying the penalty of that. And why was the penalty so harsh? Because there would be no other record. If, if God allowed that to fester, there would be no Israel. There, there would be no line for Christ to come through. There, there would be no covenant and the promises and the development of the nation. And, and there, there, would be, there would be no ultimate salvation for the world. So God is protecting what he's doing by holding these people accountable. So, uh, it continues. The story continues. Where are we? Okay, I think we got down to verse 41. Okay, in the Hebrew Bible, verse 41 is the next chapter. Uh, But it's dealing with the same thing, and so we're going to continue on it for just a few moments. And on the next day, all the congregation... All right, did we read verse 40? Did we get that far? No, okay. So go back um, to verse 36. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick out the censers out of the blaze, for they are holy and scattered the fire some, and scattered the fire some distance away. So imagine this priest, Eleazar, he goes and he goes through those charred bodies of the 250 men and picks out the censers. So I'm just going to tell you what happened. They, they take them and they beat them flat and they cover the altar with them. God said cover the altar. So from this, from this time on, when anyone comes to offer his sacrifice and they give it to the priest and the priest is going to put it on the altar, they're going to see those censers there. Because they're beaten flat and now they're covered the altar. This is the altar of sacrifice that would be at the outside of the temple. And they're, they're going to, it's going to be a continual reminder uh, of this rebellion. <clears throat> okay, now I want to go to, uh, that's basically said to be memorial to the children of Israel. Okay, now go to verse 41. And on the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. You have killed the people of the Lord. Moses didn't kill them. He just told them to come appear before God. If you want to, if you want to offer incense, bring it. And, 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 but now they're blaming him. <clears throat> now, they're, now they're blaming him for what has taken place. I don't know how personal to get. I don't know. I, you know, when, uh, when you're in a leadership position, whether you're a church or a business or, or, or in your family, and how, how many of us have told our children, I'm doing this for your own good? I'm doing it, you don't understand now, but one day you're going to understand, I'm doing this for your own good. <laughs> sometimes that's true, sometimes it may not be true. But that happens in business, it happens in churches is that leadership has responsibility. And, here, and where does the... So I'm just going to be very frank with you. Where does, it, where does the end line in this church? And it's the bylaws. It's not with, it's not with Pastor Jeff. Uh, it, it wasn't with me when I was pastor. It's the bylaws. The bylaws are the bottom line. We live by the, by, by the bylaws, and uh, so, uh, which is as, as it should be. And so, in, in the end, in any business, if you're working for somebody, if you're working for a business, they have authority over you in that business, and you're not going to understand all their decisions. Now, I've complained against my employers. You probably have as well. And, and so, but again, that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility, we could either take the paycheck or not. And, and so, here is, is what's happening. They're saying, you... You killed all these people. No, what he did is he kept you alive. You see how unreasonable sin gets? Here, here's what one writer said, said. said, sin has no memory. Sin, sin has no memory of that. I deserve judgment and I didn't get it. But, but judge, God did judge these other people. So go back to reading it again. Now it happened when the congregation, verse 42, against Moses and Aaron, they turned to the tabernacle meeting. Suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses and Aaron are once again, they're, they're pleading for the congregation. Because the congregation is not getting it yet. The, the group, the, all the people are not getting it. So Moses, verse 46, 
So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put incense on it, and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700 besides those who died in the Korah incident. So Moses returned, so Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting for the plague had stopped. So here's what, here's what's happening. The congregation, they don't get what happened to Korah. They're, they're resentful. They're saying these were good people. These were the people of the Lord and you, you killed them. Unnecessarily you killed them. And, and God's saying, I am going to bring judgment on that. I, I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to demean God by me saying, God saying he had enough. Uh, you know, that's the way I would talk. But, but, but God's saying this is what they deserve. I mean, they haven't, learned, they haven't learned that I'm their God and they're accountable to me and they can't do it their way. And so a plague starts among the congregation. And when Moses and Aaron recognized it, Moses said, they're, they're, they're pleading God. Moses said, take incense from the, from the temple and go and, and stand before the plague. So Moses goes and he, I mean, Aaron goes and he, with this incense. Incense in, in, this, in the New Testament is the prayers. It's prayers. Uh, you read that in Revelation, it's prayers up before God. Or it's, it's a symbol of that. So he goes and he has this burning incense and he, he gets between the dead and the living. And he is making intercession. Okay, if you were to go to the book of Hebrews and probably about the chapters between 4 and 10, you're going to read that this is what, this is what Christ does. Christ stands before the dead and the living. He makes intercession for us. He prays for us. It's, it's his death that saves us, not our goodness, but it's his death. So are the people worthy of being redeemed? No, but it is Aaron going there and saying to God, this is your incense, this is your covenant, I'm calling upon you, I'm, 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 I'm making atonement for the people. The word atonement means blood covering. Blood covering. I'm making a blood covering the cover their sin. The blood covers their sin. See, that's what the sacrifice is represented. They take the animal and they slay it because life is in the blood. We learned that, you know, you, you learned that in the early part of the Bible, that life is in the blood. And, and so sin requires a payment, a penal payment. So they take these animals as a substitute and they go and sprinkle the blood on the altar and it was a on the on the mercy seat once a year and, and, and the blood covering would appease the wrath of God. Now, God's wrath is a righteous wrath. It, it's a justifiable wrath. Uh, it, it's not wrath like I have or you have, but it's it, it's a holy wrath against the rejection of him. So the blood covering, he sees that and he doesn't hold the people accountable. Okay, the incense, the prayer that he's 
Aaron goes and stands between the dead and the living. Christ stands between the dead and the living. You know, it's really so everything that happens to them is, is a portrait for us. And, and what we learn today is that, you know, we better do it God's way. <clears throat> we, we better do it God's way. Which doesn't mean you have to agree with everything leadership says at work or in your family or at, at in the church. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean that you have to agree with what God says. When God ordains it, you, we, we should agree with that, and we should follow that, and, and we should be submissive to what God says. And uh, so that's what I want to leave you with this morning. I, again, let me remind you that Korah, uh, Moses' cousin, he died, and some of his family, but not all of them, not, not the whole tribe, of his portion of the tribe. Because later we're going to read in the Psalms, and some of the Psalms were written by the sons of Korah. Uh, and then I mentioned to you On, this man named On, O-N. He didn't die. His family didn't die. So they heard the voice of Moses, and they just said, hmm, I remember what happened to those sons of Aaron when they took their strange fire before the Lord. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to just go with how Moses says things would be done and how God revealed it through Moses. And they didn't face judgment. And later on, God used the other sons of Korah uh, to write some of the Psalms that we are blessed by today. So God, God is long-suffering and merciful. So remember that. when you, and, and remember that these people had a direct relationship with him uh, and, and, and it was a theocracy, and they were accountable directly to him. And that's why it seemed so severe, as he was protecting the future. Okay, pray with me, please. Our Father, we thank you that uh, as we read these things, and Lord, they're difficult, and uh, they uh, are serious. And Father, we thank you that uh, you have given us grace and Lord, your grace redeemed us and your grace keeps us today. And Lord, we all uh, sin presumptuously sometimes and you don't kill us immediately and we're grateful for that. But uh, Lord, uh, our relationship with you suffers when we do that and we, we die slowly in our spirit when we do that. And so please help us, uh, keep us from presumptuous sin. Lord, let us... Uh, Follow your word. Let us follow uh, you as revealed to us in your word. And Lord, glorify you in your majesty, your holiness. And Lord, we are holy unto you because of Christ and we're grateful. Uh, but it doesn't make us without sin or without need of his uh, intercession for us on a daily basis. And so, Lord, let us come before you and uh, plead that you would forgive us and cleanse us. And Lord, make us more like your son. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Lord bless you. We'll pick up there, Lord willing, next Sunday. See you in church.